Every business, large or small, is going to compete in one of the following three categories, price, quality, or convenience. Welcome to Working On Your Business, Not In It, a show that helps you reclaim your free time and build your business to run itself. I'm Scott Somerville, and my goal is to help you avoid the common mistakes that keep small business owners from doing the things that they want to do instead of merely doing the things that they have to. As a small business owner, we typically have a limited cash flow, and our supply of capital is very tight, meaning we cannot simply try everything without it having disastrous consequences. Over 50% of small businesses fail in the first year of operation simply by ignoring what I will discuss in this episode. One of my colleagues constantly says, stay in your swim lane. He says this when he finds me wasting my time focusing on things that will have no effect on my goals. In reality, just like in the office, our business also has a swim lane. As we work on improving what your business does and how it does it, we will also focus on a few areas in which your business can laser focus on how it competes with other businesses in your niche. In this episode, I'll break down the three ways you can categorize your offer to help you market your products to the right psychographics and how these concepts apply no matter how large or small your business is. All right, so as a small business, how we relate our product to the customer is magnitudes more important than massive corporations. Obviously, it's important to both, but the critical difference is that you and I cannot afford to experiment in the same ways. Every business, large or small, is going to compete in one of the following three categories, price, quality, or convenience. If you think about any business that is wildly successful, they're basically staying in one of these swim lanes. With the Long Island iced tea in mind, and assuming you're buying all of the components and not making them yourself, right? I'm sure that you can make one at your home using Google and a refrigerator. So why are you paying for one at the bar for $15? Most likely it is convenience. They allow you to avoid hauling five different types of liquor, Coke cans, lemons, a highball glass, and whatnot to the music festival you're attending. Now, I understand that buying liquor is expensive, right? But the thing you have to remember is if you do buy all those components from a liquor store, which is essentially a wholesaler, you could probably make like, I don't know, a hundred Long Island iced teas out of all that components and you're not spending $1,500. Uh, it's funny. You're not spending $1,500 on those hundred Long Island iced teas, right? I hope you're not at least. So the bar here is competing with the liquor store on convenience. So liquor store, you've got to make everything yourself. The other thing is the the bar has context, right? The bar has the context of your friends are there, there's music there, there's food there, the blah, blah, blah. You know, you don't have to make the food you're eating and so on and so forth. The other thing is there's a legal framework that's at play. Like you can't drive around with open bottles of liquor or even drinking them and, and don't do that. My, my God, don't do that. But their business system, right? and making it easier for you to enjoy a Long Island at their establishment, that's what causes you to buy it there as opposed to making one at home, okay? Again, you can't drink one at home and drive to the bar. Like, that's that's quite obvious, but the bar creates that whole experience around buying the beverage that is what enables them to charge a premium price for it. And I should note here that 
some markets are going to have and rely heavily on legal frameworks, but this is not always the case, of course. There's a ton of products I can think of that are only legal in certain contexts, right? Um, those particular products are going to follow a slightly different framework here, but all this stuff still applies in the same exact way. I mean, you can just, it's basically like shooting fish in a barrel when you've got like legal frameworks involved. Personally, convenience is the easiest swim lane for me to spot out of those three, but I, I admittedly have the most difficult time creating this one. My pet care business and my dog training business actually competes on quality. You know, you get a well-trained professional, you get a complete program. It's a six-week program. It's all defined. Everything is provided for you to train your dog from start to finish. And then you get tailored, specific advice, weekly appointments with, again, a dog training professional who can actually provide solutions to your problems. It's not necessarily a convenient process for you because you've got to work with the dog every day. You've got to take some time out of your life to come to appointments. You know, a convenient dog training would be me just like giving you a cookie or something that magically fixes your dog or doing a board and train, right? Giving me the dog and I train it and I give it back to you. Now, I don't do that anymore for an entirely different reason, but it didn't end up being part of my client avatar. Uh, the people who were coming to me, they needed help themselves, not necessarily the dog needing all the help. But in my pet care business, convenience is not the USP. So what is an example of quality? And if we're in the quality swim lane, how can we view this as opposed to price? Because in my opinion, these two are going to be the ones that, that teeter on each other. But think of the quality, price, and convenience. It's like a triangle, and, and you kind of move towards each point of the triangle as you innovate in these different ways, right? So being a car enthusiast, I will use Toyota and Lexus as my example here. These two brands are both owned by Toyota Motor Company, yet they appeal to a widely different market. So... In recent years, the models of cars have changed, actually, to be a little bit different looking, if that makes sense. But I remember in the 90s, there were there were definitely models of Lexus that basically looked exactly the same as a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> but, you know, why is this? You know, like, what the hell? <laughs> the Lexus at the time, it had leather interior, it had a better engine, it had better technology. And this is still the case. You know, they have better peripherals brakes, suspension, safety features, navigation, all that stuff, right? With the Lexus, you're going to pay more money simply because of the materials and marketing that's used to sell them. So the Lexus is always going to have, it's like that luxury vehicle, right? Now, when you look at Toyotas, and again, if people who really know cars, they're, they're going to be like, well, wait a minute, Toyotas are actually quality vehicles, but you're not getting all of the luxury features in like a Toyota Corolla. I love Toyota Tacomas, by the way. And I'm not trying to dog on Toyota here, but they're not necessarily known for the same type of quality as Lexuses are, right? Toyota Tacomas, if you maintain them, like they'll last forever. There are some Tacomas that basically have been passed down from generation to generation, like medieval knight armor, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the point is that they have to be well taken care of, okay, to, to, to last 
infinitely long periods of time. They they have to be maintained. These luxury vehicles also tend to, you know, you know, they're designed for the people to change the oil like once every fifty thousand miles or something, you know. So the entry level price for a Toyota is going to be significantly lower than the Lexus because they have a carpeted interior, lower power engines, less technological features, and they are, and I'm doing air quotes right now, uglier. These two brands are going to be marketed in widely different markets, right? There's not going to be an instance where you market a Lexus to someone who's trying to buy a Toyota Corolla or vice versa. It sounds silly to say, but as we perceive our own products, it's important to keep in mind that if Toyota were to go off branding in their marketing, they're going to end up in a world of hurt, right? The other strange thing is that when we're talking about quality, often this is perceived, and this is what I was bringing up about the price of my dog training services. When I raised the price of my dog training, it was actually perceived as a higher quality product. This actually caused my clients to take what I was saying more seriously. They were more invested in the product. So quality isn't always necessarily literally what the thing is, right? It, it has a lot of strangely peripheral metrics that are involved. Uh, I know like Xbox controllers, they, they have weights in them so that they're heavier because there's, there's tons of studies on this, by the way, that show human beings perceive heavier objects as being of higher quality. Bottles of wine are another great example. Even down to, and I, there's this book called The Undercover Economist that I love, but there's an entire section where he's discussing, depending on where the bottle of wine is on the shelf will determine how you perceive the quality of that bottle of wine. Even the labeling used in packages for like Publix brand soda, for example, because the the packaging for these soda brands isn't as appealing and vi uh, visually stunning, if you will, as like Coca-Cola or Sprite and so forth, we naturally perceive these to be lower quality. So again, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're making your dog training collars out of solid gold or whatever, but it does mean that you have to have your client perceive it as a higher quality product, right? So back to Toyota Motor Company, where things do get interesting and what I'd really like to drive home for small business owners listening to this is that Toyota Motor Company only generates about 13% of their total revenue off of Lexus. So this is because TMC is able to achieve massive economies of scale with Toyota. Economies of scale, we're not going to be discussing them in this episode, but it is highly unlikely that you as a small business can achieve the, the economies of scale required to make more money off of cheaper products like Toyota does. It just simply doesn't mathematically make sense. And this is why I keep saying, don't lower your prices to get more clients as a small business owner. Like it is completely unnecessary. Toyota can use batching, automated machinery, brand awareness, all of this stuff to compete on that lower price point. And you cannot, you will go out of business. Even with all of this in mind, Toyota Motor Company cannot switch swim lanes, okay? If they tried to sell Toyota Corollas as they currently are at Lexus prices, they're gonna go buy Nissans and Hondas. Since again, they're shopping on price, they're gonna go find the price. If they reduce the quality of Lexuses, 
then that market would go by Infinities or Acuras. We don't think about it because often we are consumers of other people's products, but we all shop on one of these three swim lanes, quality, price, or convenience. I should also add, too, if you're in some kind of manufacturing business, uh, like printing of T-shirts, or you make some kind of wholesale product, you may actually be using price in your USP. But I still argue that it shouldn't be the main one. Like, you're going to be looking at how you innovatively deliver this shirt printed at, sure, a lower price, but to you on the back end, you're still generating more profit. I still think, though, that you should be letting all of that cheaper business go to the larger printing companies, the larger wholesale companies, and so on and so forth. So what is my point exactly? It's that you need to focus on that 13% that Lexus generates in revenue, right? If you focus on that 13% and do it well, then that's when you're going to be able to specifically target the niche market that your small business provides service to. If you focus on quality, it's important that the customer perceives it as a quality product. And if you focus on convenience, it needs to provide something that makes the customer's life easier. Think buying a Long Island at the bar as opposed to making one yourself at home. Or and think hanging out with your friends at the bar, et cetera, et cetera, instead of having them all come over and you got to clean your house and do the dishes and repaint the whole thing and et cetera, right? The convenience of going out and having a place where all you and all your friends can congregate and have a Long Island, that's what's providing that value to you. These concepts are going to apply to your business, whether you're an auto body shop or a dry cleaner. It is critical that you identify these swim lanes and stay in them. If this episode brought you value, head on over to our Facebook group, Working On Your Business, where you can continue the learning and engage with me and my team Feel free to post questions, comments. Let us know what you think about the content. Also, if you're in Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review if you did enjoy this. Reviews help other people just like yourself find this valuable content. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I'll see you next week. Next week.